Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. We're back to regular energy. Low. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd come down with dyskinesia if you moved me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Nonprofit Partnerships. Our 21 NTC panel reminds you, you don't have to do your work alone. You can increase your exposure by promoting the work of other orgs and even fundraise in partnership with other nonprofits. They're Taylor Leak with Corporate Accountability and Jack Valor at Malwarwick Donor Digital. And partnerships with African American churches. Now that you're motivated to partner up, look to black churches. Anita Lee and Oliver Richmond help you understand the idiosyncrasies of church culture and how to cultivate a relationship. Anita is from Anita Uplifts, and Oliver is with Kingdom Partners. This is also from 21NTC. You see how the show is put together here? It doesn't just happen. You see this pervasive partnership theme running through, which is what makes it pervasive. It's all, it's all coordinated. It's all thought out. On Tony's Take Two, Planned Giving Accelerator. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. It's a genuine pleasure to welcome a new sponsor, Send in Blue, the only all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash SendInBlue. Kicking off our partnership theme show, here is Nonprofit Partnerships. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. My guests now are Taylor Leak and Jack Valor. Taylor is Digital Director at Corporate Accountability, and Jack is Senior Account Executive at Mal Warwick Donor Digital. Taylor, Jack, welcome to Nonprofit Radio. Thanks, Tony. Nice to see you. Pleasure. You. And uh, Taylor, I should say, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Had you a, on previous uh, a previous NTC coverage? Yeah, absolutely. Your session is what we accomplished together, building new and inclusive nonprofit partnerships. So who wants to start by just reminding us that we do not have to do our work alone. We can have, we can have help. Who, who would like to start? Okay, fine. I'm going to pick. Jack, you start. Sure. Um, so I think that Really, we came up with this concept because corporate accountability does a lot of great work um, partnering with a lot of wonderful organizations that have missions that are similar to theirs. Um, and we found that they were able to accomplish not only what they wanted to accomplish in ways that they didn't have the capacity or resources to do otherwise, but also reach out to organizations that didn't, you know, have the 
resources themselves to um, really boost their own missions and um, help in ways that they uh, wanted to be able to help um, facilitate and grow organizations that they really believed in. So we wanted to kind of spread that message and, and talk through ways that organizations could partner and do things that would really change the world for the better um, and reach out to each other and in, um, in ways that they might not expect. And, and Taylor, you can even uh, increase your own exposure, your organization's own exposure by promoting the work of others. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one of the things that really stood out as we were developing this and sort of one of the reasons we came to this idea was, you know, in our experience, we found that these partnerships aren't just beneficial for both organizations sort of as a as a one plus one, but actually it was it was adding even more to our work um, when we partnered with other groups. So for instance, uh, we did a, a Giving Tuesday campaign with uh, partnered with a group in Flint uh, called Flint Rising. Um, and we found that even though we were basically fundraising and giving half of the gifts that we brought in to Flint Rising, we were raising more, even giving away half than we had in previous years without a partnership like that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you you yeah, raised so more was, giving away half than you had exactly. when you when you were on your own. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, it's sort of a net, a net positive. And, um, you know, I think we are doing all we can to reject this idea that uh, there's sort of a, a zero sum, right? It's, uh, it's more of a, a mindset of, of spreading the wealth and everybody being able to lift each other up. Right, rising tide rises all boats or you know, whatever, exactly. whatever metaphors we wanna use. All right, <laughs> well, what other forms can this take? That, that, that's, an, that's outstanding example, Giving Tuesday. What other forms can this take where you can I improve your own outcomes by working with and promoting the work of others? Yeah, I mean, one other example that we, we talked about, um, and I think Jack, you had a couple of really good examples from other organizations as well. Oh, good. Um, but we, uh, we also do a lot of work uh, with um, coalition actions. So um, that's sort of more on the, on the advocacy and list building side. Um, but this is essentially a tactic where you can start a petition and then invite a whole bunch of other groups to participate with you. Um, and not only is that a way for you and your partners who are working together to drive folks to this petition to grow their email lists, but for us, you know, it's been, you know, our the organization I, I work for, Corporate Accountability, we have some pretty sort of niche complicated issues. Um, and so this is a, a way for us, not just to sort of like gather a bunch more petition signatures, but also sort of get our analysis and our campaigns and our ideas out there to a bunch more folks by sort of getting other groups to promote petitions that we've developed to their membership as well. Okay, cool, petition drives. Jack, you have you have examples? Uh, I, I love these. I want, I want folks to realize that there's a lot of possibilities around partnering and improving your own outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, one example that I think worked out really, really well is that um, <clears throat> an organization that I work with, Semper Byron's Fund, they're a small local organization in this, they, they work help, helping 
save and uh, protect and restore uh, redwood lands in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Say, and Jack, just say the name of the organization again, just a little slower. Yeah, Semper Virens Fund. Semper, um, Semper Virens? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah it's it's a latin word that um is for redwood trees um okay. it's very um oh, very niche. very specific yeah exactly um okay uh, so they um they partnered at at the time in August, there was a, a big fire in one of their uh, parks, um, wildfire that happened during a time when there were wildfires all over California. And um, it was the very first park that they developed. Um, they partnered with California State Parks, as well as Save the Redwoods League to um bring together a bunch of donors who were very passionate about that park and wanted to save it and restore it back to its former glory. Um, They were able to raise throughout the entirety of the year um, a ton more money because of that partnership. Um, They were able to increase um, their revenue by 152 percent and their gifts by 98 percent just through uh, having that partnership with those organizations and uh, spreading the word all together. Jack, what do those campaigns look like? Give us a little insight. Is is every piece co-branded? Does every piece talk about the work of the other and or and how the work overlaps? I mean, what does that what does that look like? I think, you know, it, it, it can be different. And that's something, you know, we definitely wanted to talk about when we put this together, is that it, it really depends on how the organizations want to make this work. You have to come together and say, you know, uh, what are we looking for? What do we want to accomplish here? And um what do we want to, how do we want to come to the table? You know, do we want everything to be co-branded? Like you're saying, do we want um, to just mention one another um, in messages or do we want to um, just kind of one-time mention and then go about, you know, the rest of the campaign as usual? Um, so we, you have to definitely agree upon all of your terms before the partnership even starts um, so that you know, um, you know, what your expectations are. And then that way, no one gets hurt uh, in the end uh, so that you're not, uh, not meeting those expectations. Okay, cool. Uh, is there another example you have? Uh, yeah, so I think that... Um, up my notes. Um, With World Animal Protection, which is another organization that I've been lucky enough to work with, um, they usually work with sanctuaries in lots of countries around the globe uh, to save abused animals that can no longer live in the wild because they've been, you know, in captivity um, doing lots of terrible jobs or, um, you know, having lots of um, difficult things put upon them. Uh, We were able to create a Giving Tuesday campaign around specifically raising money for sanctuaries. 
um, and the sanctuary campaign because it um, focused on those sanctuaries and on uh, providing animals um, direct money um, for them and for their needs brought in a 161% increase in gifts and a 230% increase in revenue. Um, and that's, so, that, of course, that's after sharing. Mm-hmm. Right. These, these numbers are incredible. I mean, it's, it's like over well over 100% increases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's really, really helpful to, you know, know that know what your audience cares about, know that they are looking for something different or something um, that where they can really make a bigger difference. And sometimes they, they're interested in, in um, you know, they're like, oh, if, if I can give here, then I'm giving to two different organizations that are really, really wonderful. And they're meeting the, um, the needs of multiple different types of um, people or causes at the same time. So why wouldn't I? Taylor, uh, somebody who's in one of these organizations, what, like, what detailed advice can you give for folks who are thinking about this kind of a collaboration? Like maybe even just start with who might you collaborate with? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, sometimes there are some pretty, some pretty obvious, uh, places to start, right? So yeah. groups that you, you know, frequently partner with or that you would work with, um, you know, that either share sort of the kind of work that you do or share a, a mission in, similar with you. Um, but I think for us, one of the biggest uh, things that we've actually had success with is finding groups that share our mission and share our work, but have very different um different tactics or different strengths. So, you know, corporate accountability, we do a lot of sort of national and international policy-based work. Um, and we have had some of our best partnerships with really small state or local groups that are really focused on um, grassroots or community organizing. Um, and I think the reason it works is, you know, we're able to sort of bring the the bigger sort of systemic analysis and the policies and the sort of like the heady big stuff. And then we're able to point to these groups to say, you know, this is literally, this is what, it, how this impacts individual people's lives. And this is how, you know, they're going about working on fixing this. This isn't just like a, a sort of zoomed out policy discussion. This is like a thing that is about real people. Um, so we've had some really good success sort of partnering with groups that have have different have different approaches and different strengths to us. Um, and I think those those can make really, really fruitful partnerships. Um, just because, you know, you're you're sort of complementing one another. Um, I think, you know, you can I've, we've had some really good partnerships with other sort of national policy oriented groups as well. But um, I do think that's one place that I think it has been a little bit surprising to me is like actually like finding those groups that have a, a really different thing that they do to point to is important. Um, and then for us, you know, when we when we started doing some of this work, one of the biggest pieces that was really important to us was um, really being mindful of racial equity um, and equity overall. So we're really approaching this as a way to sort of resource the movement. Um, we've, you know, we started, corporate accountability started uh, over 40 years ago um, with the Nestle boycott in the late 70s. Um, and so 
that was a campaign where we were working primarily with organizations in uh, in South America um, and working to stop Nestle from marketing infant formula in communities that it was really harmful for infant formula to be used um, and infants were getting sick and dying. Um, so we've always had this dynamic where we are a group that's based in the global north in, in the US, uh, but we're primarily or often working with groups in the global south and uh, communities of color. So there's, there's a built-in power dynamic there that we're always sort of aware of. And I think one of, the, one of the things we really strive to do with these partnerships is to seek out, you know, Black and, uh, and uh, of color-led organizations and global south-led organizations that we can work with and we can resource because oftentimes we have uh, a much higher access to those resources than these other groups that are doing incredible work that, you know, deserve this as much or more than we do. So that's another another thing that we've really focused on. You know, that's that's yeah, not well, you've centered, for everybody. But. Uh, corporate accountability has centered equity. Uh, it sounds like in uh, probably across all, all your work, but and so it just becomes part of your DNA. And absolutely, you, you have it in mind as you, or it's an objective as you as you look for these partnerships. Absolutely. Um, how about some advice around you know like sticky points. Uh, some problem issues, you know, you trust your partners, of course, but things are going to come up, you know, no, no agreement can anticipate everything or, you know, whether it's a verbal agreement or a written agreement. And how do you, how do you navigate some of the, the, the tricky parts? Like maybe somebody puts something out that doesn't quite describe your work correctly or, you know, things like that or whatever it might be. Oh, that was for you. Taylor, yeah. Oh, it could be either one. I was thinking of Taylor because he's been involved in these, but it could be either one of you. I don't care. Somebody step up this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm curious if Jack has other examples, but I, you know, think I think for us, um, the really the biggest the biggest thing is like as Jack mentioned earlier, having agreements and having conversations in sort of in the beginning, you know, really laying out what's expected, what roles are gonna be for each organization, um, sort of how you expect things to look, um, how money's gonna get dispersed if you're doing joint fundraising, you know, sort of all of those nitty gritty details. Um, and then, you know, it, it's, really, it's really just communication, you know, checking in a ton, um, you know, we, frequently we'll do um, a whole slew of emails uh, to try and promote some of these fundraising campaigns that are joint. And, you know, we build in a step where we literally just send the copy of the emails over to the partners and have them review them um, just to make sure we're being super upfront and saying like, does this sound good to you? Are we describing your work appropriately? Like, you know, is, is there a better way you would want to say this? Um, and so, you know, that, that I think is key for, for us is just, is just that constant communication um, is really the most important thing. And I think, you know, even before that, just sort of building, building deep relationships um, and, and sort of like cementing that trust before you are trying to jump in on something that's big, like a joint fundraising campaign where tens of thousands of dollars could be at stake, right? Um, so it's definitely not like a starting point in your relationship. It's something that you wanna, you wanna build towards. Jack, anything you want to you want to add there about sticking points, or or you feel like Taylor covered it? Uh, yeah, he mostly covered it. I would say, you know, to your point, Tony, um, 
about, you know, if you put something, someone puts something out there and it doesn't really meet um, anything about your organization or what have you, I think, you know, talking about your brand, uh, that's something we kind of uh, speak or touch on in our session, um, uh, making sure that they have all of that information, your logos, um, all of that, so that um, everything is laid out so that they're following that information as well. That's part of the initial communication that should happen um, so that they're not, you know, using words that you would never use in your communications, things like that. Um, and I think another piece here is that you make sure that, not that you're, treading lately, but that you're working really entirely in partnership and you're, and you're um, uh, coming to it with equity and, um, and real conversation in mind um, and knowing that there's likely no harm meant um, from your partner because you, you, you want to not only build that partnership for now, but build it for the future. Um, Who knows how beneficial it could be in, um, you know, the future campaigns, um, things that could come up where uh, you could work together on something that could really um, open yourselves up for some really, really amazing opportunities. So it makes sense to not do something that um, could cause some of that rift. You all had expanding uh, lists by exchanging, swapping. Is one of you more accustomed, more acquainted with that than the other? Yeah, probably me. Uh, Uh, Jack, you, okay. Go ahead, Taylor, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we we do this a ton um, and it's uh, a really, it's a really great tactic. Um, It is, something that we use Action Network. So it's something that's built into to Action Network as um, a sort of email um, tool set and advocacy tool set, um, not, to, not to buzz market them, but um, they, they are the ones that have built this tool. Um, and uh, essentially what it allows is when you set up a petition, um, you can invite other groups to also promote that petition. Um, and once you send them sort of a unique link um, for them to promote the petition with, um, it automatically tracks sort of where activists are coming from and then automatically shares a proportion of the folks who signed that petition with your partners. Um, so the expectation is, you know, if, if I am partnering with another group and they join and they send an email out to their list and get a hundred new folks to join, to sign that petition, that they would get of that total pot of folks who take action, a hundred new folks to add to their list. Um, So it's sort of, it's a great way both to get more signatures than you would standalone, right? You know, if if your group can get X number of petition signatures, inviting a couple other groups will get you a whole bunch more. Um, But it also, it also is a way to sort of, for everybody to, to sort of grow their email lists and speak to folks who like, actually care about your topics, right? Because they're signing a petition that is based on your mission and, and your issues. Yeah, cool. And of course, this is disclosed to people who sign, right? That yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll receive materials from, or however you word it, this other, yeah. you know, the other group or groups. Okay. Yeah, um, any other ways, any other ways of doing this besides uh, petition drives? 
Um, I mean, that's that's sort of the main one. I'm curious, Jack, if if there okay. are other... Jack, do you, is there, have you seen this in other settings? Um, in terms of, um, yeah, it's mostly petitions uh, or pledges, things like that. I Just mainly because it's okay. the easiest way to get another... Um, organization's permission. The other way that I've seen it, or uh, sorry, not another um, person's permission to join a list. Um, another way that I've seen it done is uh, when uh, organizations will sponsor each other's emails across um, email. So one organization, Corporate Accountability, would say sponsor Flint Rising's email and it, they would just send Flint Rising's email to their list um, and have um, Flint Rising, whatever content that is, um, those folks, um, corporate accountabilities folks just do whatever um, that action is uh, for Flint, Flint Rising. I've also seen, um, some organizations come together on things like quizzes, uh, games, things like that. Um, I put together a whole like uh, bracket for an organization uh, before that was like these items, like which one is the best? And then it ended up, you know, with a winner and it was like a couple weeks long. Um, and it ended up being really, really successful where a bunch of different organizations were like fighting for which thing was the best um, on like social media and stuff, so. Okay, collaborations, partnerships, ventures. You don't have to do your work alone, right? All right, can we leave it there? Sure. All right, <laughs> they are Taylor Leak, Digital Director at Corporate Accountability and Jack Valor, Senior Account Executive at Mal Warwick Donor Digital. Taylor and Jack, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. And thanks to all of you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21 NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. Where would you like to be heard? News outlets, conferences, podcasts, blogs, editorials. That's all earned media. And Turn 2 can help you get it because they've got the relationships with the media outlets. What about your own media, though? Owned media. Turn 2 can help you improve that because your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. It's time for Tony's Take 2. Planned Giving Accelerator. The next class kicks off on July 1st. People in the first class that started in January, they already started getting gifts in month three. And by month four, there were multiple gifts at multiple members of that very first class. So within only three and in some cases, four months of a 12-month program, the gift commitments already coming in. If you join me in the July 1st class, you could have gifts by Halloween. This could happen for you too. Plan Giving Accelerator, it's the online membership community that I've created 
I teach you step-by-step how to get your planned giving program started. We have monthly live teachings and Ask Me Anything sessions and a podcast just for members. There's resources like templates and checklists, all the stuff. I was about to say all the shit, but let's keep it to stuff. Uh, Well, you know, I just said it. So all the stuff. All the things you need to get your plan giving program launched in 2021. And like I said, join by, join in July, join the July class. You could have gifts by Halloween. It happened for members of the first class. So where do you get the info for the July one class? It's all at plannedgivingaccelerator.com. Check it out. If you're not in planned giving, I will get you started and. If that applies to you, if you're not in planned giving, I hope you'll join me for the July 1st class. That is Tony's Take Two. Here is Partnerships with African American Churches. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21 NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. With me now is Oliver Richmond. He is president at Kingdom Kingdom Partners. Oliver, welcome. Thank you for having me on, Tony. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It's a very interesting topic. Um, And we're hopefully going to be joined by other who I will introduce as they come in. Now, Oliver joined on time, and I don't want to cut this segment short, so we're going to get started. Your topic, there's someone right now. There's uh, Aneta. Okay, we're bringing in... Aneta Lee, Aneta, welcome. We're uh, we're already recording live, so please join the conversation. With me now is uh, Aneta Lee also. She's Chief Digital Specialist at Aneta Uplifts, LLC. And I had already introduced Oliver Richmond. And your topic is Black Church, a different kind of nonprofit. Yes. Yes. So let me uh, clarify uh, just a little bit. It is Anita. It's pronounced Anita. Thank you very much, Anita. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, let's stick with you, Anita. Well, no, right. You know what? Let's give it to Oliver because he came. He was right on time. So I'm going to give it to Oliver. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Anita. Oliver, what? You know, black churches. Um, I don't go to one. What? What do you want folks like me to know about black churches? Black churches are the heart and soul of the black community. If you go back and look at history, that was the only institution that blacks owned coming out of slavery. And the Black church has been the one to deliver services, tutoring, mentoring, food, spiritual help. Uh, Over the years, they have just been a pillar in helping keep those communities safe. And all the good things came out of the Black church and the Black community. All the good things came out of the Black church. All right. Uh, Yeah, I've had lots of guests on through the years. I've been doing this podcast over 10 years. And mostly they would they would bring up black churches when when it was uh, you know like a program they were trying to carry out like uh, in a couple of cases it was something medical and uh, I don't remember it wasn't research but it was it was some nonprofit work and they had emphasized the importance of working through the churches to get community buy-in for the for the program that they were trying to they were trying to carry out in in the in the community. Um, 
So I've heard about this through the years that the black churches are critical and, and, the, and the, the pastors can be sort of conduits to the, to the community. Am I, am I stating that okay? Yes, yeah. stating it, yeah. Yeah, over the years, the, the black pastors and leaders, if you look through civil rights, all different things, they've been the ones who have stood up for the community because they didn't have to worry about losing their jobs. Um, so, so they stood up for the community and they're respected as leaders no matter what size their church is. And the black community expects the black pastors to be involved in the community where some churches, the pastor just preach, uh, open the Bible, preach, teach, and then they're done. But in the black church, they expect them to be involved in the, the causes, if it's gangs, if it's feeding, health, whatever it might be, they're the ones that look to to bring that information, deliver it to the people and to the community. Anita, you sounded a little uh, a little skeptical about the way I said it. You said, "Well, you said it, okay, but what? Tell tell me more. What 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 are, what did you want to say to me?" I, I did. Um, uh, I think that you're absolutely right. Um, and and when you've spoken to many people over the years, yeah, it's critical um, that black churches are involved. But I think it's it, it's only a small piece. I think that the general nonprofit community um, only see black churches within the lens of whatever program that they're deciding to do instead of recognizing black church as the literal pinnacle of the black experience. So when you think about um, our celebrities, our stars, our um, our millionaires and billionaires that 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 the made the country looks up to. Many of those people have start in the black church. Like, like if you think about any major musical star in any genre, from you know gospel and soul to R and B, even into rap and hip hop, you will find that. All of those artists, or most of those artists, had a start in the black church. Even if they're talking about guns and drugs and shooting and sex, they all have a start in the black church. And I think that um, that was the reason why I, you know, acts intend to allow me to do this because um, from politics and and from from health, from business. Our major Ivy League historically black colleges and universities, our HBCUs, many of them started in the basements of a black church. The obvious one of the more famous ones, Morehouse, um, where Dr. Martin Luther King got his degree, and Spellman, which was the the, the female counterpart um, to Morehouse, was started in the basement of Friendship Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. So, and I'm sure you'll probably, hear, you know, you could probably hear stories in other cities as well. So I think that um, that's what I wanted the nonprofits to see and to understand that um, we're just, that, that the Black church and the experience of Black church is not a place where you can go get your program started and you can hit your demographic. It really is a place where the, the intensity of the culture and the whole meaning 
the essence of, of African-American experience is based. Thank you. And, and Anita, you want us to think about partnering with African-American churches. That's the, the uh, I mean, yeah, you, you, that's the whole purpose of the, your session. By the way, I have some work going on. You might hear a saw in the background. I hope that's, okay. not, hope that's not too annoying. No worries. I don't know. Can you hear me? You hear me over it, can't you? I, I hear you over it. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Um, yeah, so you want to encourage us to, uh, nonprofits to be partnering with the churches. Right. And not only do we want the nonprofits to partner with churches, we want you, we wanted nonprofits to understand the uniqueness and the idiosyncrasies that, that comes with partnering with black church, which is reason it was called black church, a different kind of nonprofit. Yes, it is a nonprofit in the essence that it's 501c3 and you know things of that nature or it might not even be 501c3 um, it's, it's structured around providing those social services um but it does not necessarily operate as you know your typical nonprofit with a board and and you know and in, in programs and things of that nature and so um in order to have an effective partnership um, I wanted nonprofits to understand this is the essence of what Black church is, and these are the ways that you provide or create uh, successful and sustainable partnerships uh, while you're trying to fulfill your mission for your nonprofit. So. Um, Oliver, can we, can we go to you to acquaint us with some of the, the idiosyncrasies that uh, Anita is referring to? Yes. Um, one of the things we, we work with a ton of black churches and white churches, but one of the things that you want to do is visit the church, see what kind of things they're doing. I mean, you can look at the announcements, say if they got kids doing announcements, they're talking a lot about youth. You know, that church probably want to do things with youth. That's their where their heart is at. So as you as you meet people, try to meet people in their leadership. And if you can get a meeting with the pastor, Go there, get a meeting with the pastor. You talk 10%, let him talk 90%. And ask him to share his vision and his heart for the community. And that out of that conversation, you're going to see the things that he's excited about and that he want to do. And your role is when you partner with them, engaging them. If you're doing youth and maybe they're passionate about prison ministry, you try to connect this to somebody that can help them with prison ministry. And you bring a lot of credibility to them. And guess what? If you work with you, he'll connect you to a pastor that has a big, a nice youth program, want to work with youth in the community. So you got to hear their heart and listen to them. And you might have the greatest thing that you want to do, but it might not be a fit because just like people, churches have capacity for a few things that they can do well. And you got to seek those out when you engage them uh, and you have a lot more success when you do that. It's time for a break. Send in Blue. It's an all-in-one digital marketing platform with tools to build end-to-end digital campaigns that look professional, they're affordable, and keep you organized. So we're talking about digital campaign marketing. Most marketing software is designed for large companies and comes with the enterprise-level pricing 
Send in Blue is priced for nonprofits. It's an easy to use marketing platform that walks you through the steps of building a campaign. Like step by step, like Plan Giving Accelerator, step by step. Try out Send in Blue and get a free month. Hit the listener landing page at tony.ma slash sendinblue. It's aptly named. Now you thought the buku buttloads got obliterated when I didn't invoke them after Tony's Take Two, didn't you? You were wondering. I've got your back. We've got buku buttloads more time for partnerships with African-American churches. Anita, you want to elaborate on, on more of the idiosyncrasies folks should be aware of? What makes no, the, the I think that, African American um, churches unique? No, I think Oliver uh, is uh, is very, you know, and the reason why I had him on our panel is because he is the embodiment of the cross-sectional of not only with Black church and white church and also with Black church and, and nonprofits. And so um, I, I have to say, like, uh, during our session, we did have someone that pose the question of the fact that they are uh, not Christian uh, and they're not black. And so they were concerned as to whether or not they would be able to, you know, attend the church service. And um, I want to bring this out, Oliver, because this just made sense. Um, He said, you don't have to be a Christian to attend church. (laughs) You you can attend church. You don't have to be a Christian to attend uh, church. And so you, you know, and so it's just important that um, just like a nonprofit has a mission, churches have a mission, right? And so even though most of them, the main mission is saving souls and, um, and, and, and provide, you know, providing the spreading the gospel of Jesus, that's the main mission. But to Oliver's point, you know, different churches have different sort of passion projects, just like a nonprofit has a passion project. So you're not going to see the environmental nonprofit doing stuff with prison, right? Because that's not their mission. Theirs is saving the environment, right? And so um, it's that research and that intentional research by visiting that church is where you will learn what's a good fit for your organization and then also partnering up. Oliver, it sounds like the, the pastor is really the, the key, the, sort of the CEO of the church. Do you have any other advice about getting his or her attention? I know you said, listen, listen 90% and talk 10%. That's yeah. why we have twice as many ears and only one, <laughs> two layers and one mouth. But what other advice is, uh, you know, like as you're just trying to introduce yourself before you, before you, you know, before you, uh, before you try to visit the church, just trying to get, get that attention. How, how about that? Well, find out who, who some of the key leaders are. Uh, you can go to their website. Uh, you can look at their brochure and find out who, who some of the key leaders are and talk with them and see if they can give you a warm introduction to the pastor. Uh, and another one of the key points is, and I made this mistake years ago. I've been working with churches 20-some years, uh, particularly Black churches. Wherever the pastor points you to, go follow up in that direction. Because uh, sometimes you want to just get to the pastor. Maybe he might give you a phone conversation and say, hey, go talk to Tony. And you might not Tony know that Tony is his right-hand man 
he's going to rely on Tony or whether we should engage in his partnership and do his program. So sometimes people try to get to the pastor, but he might have someone else that he wants you to work with, and then they'll share the big idea and he'll rely on them. So whatever direction he sends you, go in that direction and follow through. Anything else, uh, Anita, you want to add about trying to make that, get that yeah. first introduction, that, that break that ice? Well, just to keep in mind um, uh, that depending on the denomination, which is brings in the, uh, the intricacies of the fact of, you know, not, and, and that's just Protestant, the whole Protestant religion, totally, right? You got all these different denominations and sections and districts or whatever, um, but that's on the onus of the nonprofit professional to do their particular research and to understand that, um, one, to Oliver's point, when they point you to that person to go ahead and, and, and engage, but also know in different situations, the pastor may not necessarily be the, like the decision maker, right? They may be the, they might not be the one that is the one that's, it may, he be, may be a part of it, right? It, but it might be the trustee board. Um, it might be the deacon's board. It might be, you know, uh, some other um, institution. It might be the superintendent that is the one that really has the quote-unquote power to engage the church in in, in partnerships. And so um, that's just, you know, an additional thing to kind of consider. And then, of course, you know, and in that vein, as I'm thinking about it, that kind of you know, put that that might make the nonprofit professional a little bit more comfortable because it's almost like talking to a board, right? It's it's a you know, as a other nonprofit, it's like here's the board and they're the one that makes the decisions. And some denominations are set up like that. Some are totally not. The 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 the, the end and the, the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega comes from the pastor. <laughs> so it's just the just an additional step. Um, you know, once you've, you know, visited the church and maybe, you know, did like do a little research, checking out the website, maybe attending a service, or maybe not attend a service, attend an event that the church is having, a volunteer. Um, no one's gonna turn around turn away a volunteer, no matter what, right? That's that's nonprofit 101. So, you know, volunteering for something and you you kind of get a sense of who's, you know, who's the kind of the one that's kind of running the programs and, and, and making the decisions. So, so yeah. yeah. Anita, your work at uh, Anita Uplifts, it, it sounded to me like it was the intersection of Black churches and technology. It is. It is. Um, it was, it's basically uh, my new social entrepreneurship born out of the, um, my, my own sort of personal mission around digital inclusion and um, in digital inclusion efforts, and the fact that I truly believe that churches um, can be a place of opportunity uh, when we're talking about closing the digital divide. Now, I'll be honest with you, Tony, I'm not only am I trying to get tech folks and nonprofits to see churches as places of opportunity, I'm trying to work on the churches as well to try to get them to understand that this is a different or a new evolution of ministry for them. So that's kind of kind of my personal 
uh, mission and cause and ministry, if you will. All right, so, all right, I see. So trying to expand everybody's circles right. to the point where they uh, find the, the intersection between them and, and end up doing good work for, for all the community. All, <laughs> yes. All right. Um, we still got some good time together, a uh, good amount of time together. What, what, uh, what else would either of you like to talk about? Maybe other questions you got from your session or something else you covered in your session that we haven't talked about yet? I'll throw it open to you. Well, I think one of the things, Tony, that really helped get engaged is support them. I, I give you a prime example, uh, a couple of quick examples. When, when the virus hit and shut down everything, we partnered with a technology uh, group to bring hotspots uh, online, uh, notebooks with urban black churches and got them online so they can get giving online. They didn't have the technology. They didn't know what to do, but we was able to help 40 of them. So guess what? I can pick up the phone anytime and call those pastors directly and say, hey, let's look at doing this. I didn't ask them for anything, didn't want anything, but if you can help serve them, uh, another example, uh, it was a water shortage in Mississippi. Pastor said, Oliver, can you help get some water? I said, well, let me send you a check. He said, no, no, don't send me a check because I got to go get the water. I need you to bring over the cases of water. So guess what? I went to Sam's, couldn't get as much water because I only so much fit in the car and I can push it. But guess what? Now our relationship is deeper because I was able to help a need that he was trying to fulfill to take a truckload of water down. Uh, and then so now when I call him up, there's something that we want to do with his church or in the neighborhood, he'll take that call and listen and more, be more aptitude to work with us because we support them in the time of need. Yeah, he built trust. Yes. He had, an, he had a problem and you had a solution that, you know, that, that builds trust. I'm, I'm sure Anita, you would agree, you know, this, if you're going to approach any, well, this or any other, any relationship, you know, transactionally, I, you know, we want to get this out of it. We're here for six months and then we're moving on with some other project. Then you shouldn't even bother. I mean, but if you want to, but if you want to build a relationship, not that you have to be working together forever either, but mm-hmm. if you're going to look at it as a transaction versus opening the door to a relationship, you're, you're, you're shortchanging yourself, the, the church you're trying to partner with, the program you're trying to expand or build, uh, you know, it's, it's and the people you're trying to serve and the, and the people you hope to help. It's, it's not a, it's not a one and done, you know, it's a, we're trying to build a relationship here. We don't, we don't know the ways we might be able to work together in the future. You know, we, we got an idea how we could, what we could do now in this next six months or a year, but who knows what the ensuing years could bring, you know, it's just basic relationship building. The same thing you do with your, your volunteers, your, your donors, you know, you don't look at them as transactions, as ATMs. You get something out and then walk away. No. So same thing here with any relationship, whether it's with an individual or a, an institution, like a black church. That's All right. That's right. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Tony. I, I agree with you so much, Tony. I think, like I said, that was um, more into the essence of why I wanted to do this. Um, I think um, so... Another reason as to why I presented this to Antana had to do with um, an actual project that I did as a digital inclusion fellow 
um, and uh, in connection with the Rainbow Push Coalition. And we were trying to establish some digital inclusion um, programming at churches here in Atlanta. And it was because um, the organizations just did not understand each other well that the program itself or the initiative itself really didn't experience the level of success that it could have um, because on the church side, uh, they weren't fully educated as to what, what was trying to be done. And then on the nonprofit side, they really um, honestly did not understand the, the, fully understand the idiosyncrasies of Black church. Um, and I'll give you a, a, a small example. Um, one of the one of the criteria for uh, the churches that was in the program um, was that they needed to fundraise um, an, a, a specific amount of dollars, and then the nonprofit was going to match that fundraisers, and then that was supposed to be um, not quote unquote given, but sort of given access to the fellow so that the fellow can use that those funds to build out the program. Well, as I was sitting there as one of the fellows listening to, you know, listening to how this work, I said through the whole time kind of shaking my head. I said, you can't do that with black church. You can't just tell them to just fundraise for a specific uh a specific event and not run it through the sort of proper channels um, where everyone, including the leadership of the church is on board um, in order to, in order to make it happen. And so what happened was, is that it kind of fell by the wayside because the churches was like, what are you what are you talking about fun what do you mean like in addition to my tithes and offerings or something different something whatever and so unfortunately go ahead i need you to wrap up with with your takeaway from that from okay that and we just yeah. have a minute left well, what's your takeaway uh, so the takeaway is is it's just still important to to get that do that research and, and begin to understand one another and it doesn't just say oh you have my demographic so let's just do it and it takes time, like you said, to build that relationship and trust. All right. We're going to leave it there. Thank you. Anita Lee, Chief Digital Specialist at Anita Uplifts, LLC, and Oliver Richmond, President at Kingdom Partners. Anita, Oliver, thank you very much. Enlighten thank me. you. My Have pleasure. A wonderful, wonderful week. Take care now. Thank you very much. And thank you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC. 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference, where we are sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. Next week, CRM selection and new websites as our 21 NTC coverage continues. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission turn-2.co and by Send in Blue, the only all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash Send in Blue. 
Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. 